Welcome to Dancing on Water, a podcast bringing you stories of faith and how they interact with church and missions. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Dancing on Water. My name is Josh Rice, and this is a podcast sponsored by Heart for Mexico. Uh, we are a ministry here in Mexico focusing on our four main heartbeats, which are church planting, our Nana's House Orphanage. We also have a Bible school called Heart for Mexico School of Missions, and we work with short-term mission teams from around the world. Um, and we continue on here in, in uh, the coronavirus crisis uh, mode of ministry. Um, uh, churches are actually doing really good, even though we've moved to a mostly online model. Um, we continue to help out with food bags and basic provisions to, to everyone who uh, has reached out. And again, we're, we're just so proud of the fact that we've been able to help every family that's reached out to us. And a lot of our smaller uh, kind of village churches, they've also been able to do the same. We're hoping to, to reopen soon uh, in many of our locations. We're kind of spread out throughout the country, so different states have different requirements. And um, we're excited to get back in uh, church with physical live gatherings. Um, but we're, we're happy with how the online model has been working. Also really excited about Nana's house. If you guys go to the Heart for Mexico Facebook page, you can see some pictures of uh, the orphanage. It's been recently painted. It looks really good. It's coming along. We're, we're really excited about getting in that building as soon as possible to give those, uh, the girls in Nana's house their first permanent home that they've known. So uh, please be praying about that. If you feel like you could give something towards it, that would be amazing. Um, and today we have an uh, amazing episode for you. It's a solo episode with Pastor Jesse Hansen. Uh, he has been on a couple times already, and today he has a. Um, he's just going to kind of talk through some things that have been on his heart. Uh, I feel like in this in this time, even though it's been hard in many ways, it's also been really cool. Uh, you know, the different things God has laid on our hearts, and so Jesse's going to talk through some of that. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you're staying safe and doing great. Uh, keep in touch. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for all that you do for Heart for Mexico. Enjoy this episode with Pastor Jesse Hansen. Hey, friends. Welcome to Dancing on Water. And uh, yeah, my name is Jesse Hansen or Josiah, and uh, all my friends call me Jesse. And uh, this is my first time recording by myself in English ever. <laughs> I usually record podcasts in Spanish, preach in Spanish, speak in Spanish. But um, yeah, we're going to try this out. So disclaimer right at the beginning, <laughs> if I say anything weird, which I usually do, um, any weird words, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know this is a terrible way to frame this, but uh, I, I am known um, for saying weird things in the past. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, forgive me. If uh, English, I, although I have a, I have a, a good accent, it's kind of a second language. So uh, we, I mean, we grew up speaking English at, at home, but now it's kind of become a second language. I speak Spanish with most people I interact with, so ninety percent of the time, I'm speaking Spanish and. And uh, yeah, that's that's the problems of being a missionary kid, huh? <laughs> so I kind of have a word to share this morning. It's been something that's kind of been on my heart. So I could literally be speaking to a mirror, uh, reminding myself of this. And uh, Josh asked me to um, share it here. So um, 
it's it yeah here we go <laughs> it starts off in uh i mean the whole thing is based off of exodus 17 um you know and the story the bible story where we're at is um that israel has been you know liberated from 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 Egypt, and now they're going towards the promised land, but they're still stuck in between, right? They're, they're in the desert. They've been in the desert for a while. Um, God has been good. God, first of all, rescued them from a terrible situation, 420 years of slavery. Um, God miraculously uh, frees his people, and uh, now that they've been in the desert, he's been taking care of them, giving them food and water and shelter and all of this and, and guiding them to the promised land. And on their way, this is what Exodus 17 tells us, starting in verse 1. It says, At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin uh, and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped in Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once so once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us? Um, are our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They, they, they are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used, um, you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call uh, some of the leaders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai, Strike the rock, and the water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as elders looked on. Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with God and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord here with us or not now the reason i wanted to share this is because um we're kind of in this you know we're, we're in this season uh, uh I, th I think we could kind of us in the western world in america we can kind of uh, look at march 11th as the day this whole thing started that was the day tom hanks uh tested positive the nba shut down um president trump shut um, all travel to, well, he announced that he was shutting all travel to Europe, and it seemed seemed like it got real, real fast, <laughs> this whole COVID-19 situation. And um, and we've been waiting, you know, and I know the, the, the whole thing is just so, just, just crazy. I mean, what a time to be alive. <laughs> and um, I think we're kind of waiting to get out of this, and it seems like we're, um, now, I'm terrible at predicting the future, so um, don't take my word for it, but it feels like we're kind of on the other side. I mean, I know the numbers are still going up. I know, I know things have, are still out of control, but 
it seems like worldwide, things are a little bit more in control than they were a few months ago. Uh, it seems like we, we are coming out the other side. Um, at least here in Mexico, things are reopening. I know in the U.S. also. And uh, people are kind of sick of being at home and, and things are changing. And it feels like, uh, you know, churches are reopening, things are happening. Um, so it feels like we're, we're getting close to getting out on the other end. What we thought, <laughs> what we thought was going to be two weeks um, has now been four months of having the church closed down and staying at home and being careful and reading up on the news every single day. And um, the situation we do find ourselves in is, is kind of like Israel going from um, one point to another. It's like we're in the in-between in this moment and we're just waiting and, and hoping and praying uh, to come out on the other side and, and survive this and and hopefully God blesses us through it and we grow and we, you know, all that stuff. But it's interesting how Israel comes to a point um, where they run out of water. You know, they, they, they get to this point where there's thirst. There's no, no water to drink. And um, when, we, when we're in seasons of lack... And I think that's kind of what we can say about um, 2020. It seems like a year of lack. You know, we're, we're out of, uh, some people are out of money. Some people are out of health. Some people are out of inspiration, ideas. You, you know, you can't move forward. You just feel like you're just stuck and um, there's lack. And the temptation is to take this lack as evidence of the absence of God, right? Because th th that's where we go. You know, you, you take verses like Psalm 23, and it, uh, it starts off, the Lord is my, is my shepherd, I shall, I shall not want, you know, I, I, I lack nothing. And that's kind of where our mind goes. So when we do go through moments where, where there is lack, our, our, first, our first posture towards that is, well, then God must not be with us. The temptation is to believe then, then God is absent. If I'm lacking, he is gone. And um, that, that, that takes you to a place of fear, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I know my, my son's six years old, and um, he's not afraid of the dark if he's with me. But the moment I'm not with him, he, he can get scared. And it's the same way with us. I, I get scared. I think it's normal to be scared. Um, and when we go through lack, then we believe, well, God is not there. He's absent. And then that's when fear creeps in and starts forming and shaping our lives. Um, now, fear is not necessarily a bad thing. I think we all need fear. Thank God for fear because it's brought us to where we are now. I mean, I think I thank God that, that my son is fearful of running down the stairs and he, you know, he goes down carefully. Um, thank God for fear. But if fear ends up forming our lives, then we become pretty just, just kind of, we, we're just not great human beings. You know, that's what, that's what it does. It distorts our lives. It, it, it makes us make, it makes us make decisions that are just horrible for us and for those who are around us. Um, so we go through lack 
we take that as evidence of the absence of God. And then we start acting out in fear. And um, what's interesting is that Moses goes directly to saying, why are you testing God? Why are you complaining to me and testing God? Because that's the next step, right? If God's not there, then we're like, hey, prove it. Prove, prove that you're with me by protecting me, by, by you know, giving me what I need. Um, prove to me that you're here. And I know that's just kind of been the temptation as a church. We're constantly, I, I, I catch our prayers constantly kind of going in that direction. Maybe not as blatantly, but it's definitely in the tone. It's like, God, heal our city and heal this and provide and do this and do that. And I've caught myself several times praying in that spirit of prove yourself. That was one of the great temptations that Satan brought to Jesus, right? It was, hey, jump off this building and um, you'll see how the angels catch you. And Jesus answers, you, you shall not test the Lord your God. Because you see, we start breaking the common sense that society has put, you know, things like, hey, be careful, socially distance, whatever, this and that. And then we, we, we start feeling that lack. And then we start believing that God is absent. And then we start breaking common sense. But the thing we have to hold on to is that fear is never a welcome, a welcome option for a believer. Now, we'll feel it. We'll feel fear. We'll be afraid. That's obvious. That's going to happen. And as I said, thank God, it's a good mechanism to keep us from danger. But fear is not a welcome option. We don't, we don't let fear drive our lives. We don't let fear form our lives because and then it'll just take us to very bad places and form us into being very just not beautiful people. So we have to remember the counterintuitive side of Psalm 23, where it starts off saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. But and then in the fourth verse, it goes into, even when I walk through the darkest of valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Or take Psalm 46, it says, God is our ever-present help. It's counterintuitive when we're going through hard times to believe that God is still with us, but he is. And that's what the psalmist just, just scream out. They teach us God is still with you, even though you're going through hard times, even though you're going through lack, even though you're going through just confusing times like what we're living in. Um, it, he's with you. He's your ever present help. Which takes me to what is our calling then? in these times. Well, Jeremiah would tell us in the exile of, of, of Israel, you know, now they're back in this situation where they're second-class citizens in Babylon and uh, living as exiles in a world that's not theirs. And they're all thinking, yes, we're going to go back soon. And, and there's all these false prophets saying, yeah, we're going to go back. Don't unpack your bags. And then Jeremiah gets up and says, you know what? Um, yeah, it's going to be 70 years. <laughs> We're going to be here for a while. So build, so build houses. Have children. Let your children have children. Multiply. Plant vineyards. And seek the welfare of the city. 
And then, and then Jeremiah says something. I think this is so true for all of us. He says that in seeking the peace of the city, you'll find your own peace. That the welfare of the city, your welfare depends on the welfare of the city. Seek the welfare. Seek the peace. Seek the prosperity. You see, fear always drives us to think inwardly. Like, think about me and in, in, in mine. You know, that's that's exactly what the Israelites start start yelling. It's like, did you bring us here to kill us and our children and our livestock? Their livestock is basically their economy. Did, did you bring us here to just kill us? So they're focused on themselves, and then fear drives them to to let God prove that he's still with us, even though he's been with you this whole time. He's the one that took you out of Egypt, and you're still wrestling with that truth. Yeah. So our calling as believers, as God's people, is to seek the welfare of others, to seek the peace and prosperity of others. That is the reason that as a ministry, we decided to close our doors. I mean, yes, there's a side where, okay, yeah, we don't want we, we don't want to get sick. There's another side where it's like, okay, the government still doesn't let us open up. But I think the, the biggest pushing point or the, 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 the most important point of all of it was we wanted to seek the welfare of our city and we didn't want to be, with the information that we received at the time, we didn't want to be a hot spot. We didn't want to be a place that, you know, got our people sick. So even though it's it's incredibly risky to close your 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 services and only go online it's, i'm telling you as a minister this is not fun this is not what this is not, i didn't get into ministry to be a tv producer <laughs> i got into ministry to pastor people to see people to be with people to love on people to preach people to preach to people so it's not fun it's not something that that we like to do. Thank God there's been a grace on it, but it's not something that we want to keep doing, but for, because we love our city, because we love Tepic Nayarit, because we love Buga, and we love Jalisco, and we love all these towns, we decided to close, even though it was a huge sacrifice and a large risk. I mean, I'm I'm hearing of all these churches in Mexico that are not going to make it. They're closing down. Pastors had to find another job. And that's the risk that we're putting ourselves in as we as we maintain our services closed. But because we love our city, we just can't do it. Yeah. So what is the church's calling in this time? I started off the year, um, the pandemic, um, reading a couple books on pandemics. Um, and uh, there was one book that was very interesting. It had all these short stories of different, you know, epidemics and pandemics and just story after story. It was a, it was a horror story. <laughs> it, was, it was literally story, chapter after chapter of just horrible things. It's, I mean, it was so dark. It's such a dark book. I mean, things like during the the Black Plague in the, in the 1300s, you see that the people started avoiding each other so much that when a child was sick with the Black Plague, parents would abandon it. 
Ugh. Or in the bubonic plague, which is basically the same thing. But 300 years later, you see these cities that just completely dissolved. The writer even said the next generation had forgotten what the word compassion even meant. Or during the Spanish flu, you see that the U.S. was just ravaged with this horrible flu. You know, you're talking about thousands upon thousands dead. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people dead, mostly young men, just horrible, horrible stuff. And how the hospitals would beg for volunteers only to fall on deaf ears. No one stepped up. No one helped. And it's just horrible. All these situations, just all these just dark times in history. And all of a sudden I found this little story. It was just a little beacon of light in the middle of this book. Um, I started talking about a small town in 1878. Uh, by the Mississippi River that was just ravaged by yellow fever. And they didn't really understand that the yellow fever was coming from mosquitoes. They were still figuring it out, what it was causing yellow fever. But they had found out that, that if anybody moved from there and would leave and go to dry areas, um, they weren't getting sick. So about 60 to 70% of the town just left Anybody that had the means to leave just left the city. And um, there's this, you know, this, this small um, group of nuns that the church had paid, paid to get out of there. You guys, leave. <laughs> Let's get out. Leave this town alone. We don't want you guys getting sick. And there's a small group of 38 nuns that stayed just to bring food to the sick just to change the bed sheets. None of them were nurses. They stayed with the hospitals and they stayed with the people that they knew and stayed to just take care of the sick. Most of them ended up dying, which just brought me to think like, what, what brings a human being to give their life to not to save someone else, but to just bring a little bit of comfort as they're dying? Isn't that crazy? Like, seriously, isn't that insane? That someone would risk their life, sacrifice their life eventually, just to bring comfort to others while they're dying. And it was just such a, it was such a beautiful story. It just haunted me for the next few weeks. This little story about 30, 38 nuns that stayed. Yeah. You see, we have two different places that we can move in the two different like lenses that we can see the world in and two different spirits that we can live in. And one is the spirit of fear and the other one is the spirit of love. And love is one where we don't focus on ourselves, but we seek the welfare of others. We seek the peace of others. We seek the prosperity of others. And when we do that, the Bible does teach us that when we give, then that's when we receive. It's, it's like investing time into a good book. You give into reading the book, and that's how you receive from the book. It's just when we give towards others, when we seek the welfare of others, that's where we find our welfare. But if we only focus on ourselves and 
we're in fear, then we start testing God and we start living this, these ugly lives and we're formed by fear. And it's just, it's just not a good way to live. That's why the Bible over and over and over again just warns us about fear. Yeah. So why, why did I bring up the Exodus story? <laughs> well, this Exodus story, I remember reading it, and um, the last verse just got stuck with me. I read this a few weeks ago, and it just stuck with me during this time. That, you see, the story quickly is they get stuck in the desert in this place called Rephidim. They run out of water. Then they, they go and complain to Moses. Uh, test God because Moses says they tested God but God provides water because he was going to because he's not just going to abandon his people even though they think that they're abandoned he's not going to abandon his people and then once they have water Moses names the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing. Like, couldn't he have named it the place where God provided water? <laughs> couldn't he have? Like, think about that for a second. He had to name it the place of test and arguing. So that got me thinking. We're living through a season. This will eventually end. I'm not going to predict when... I personally feel like, okay, we're on the other side of this, but who knows? And I'm pretty sure several of you have read the articles and could argue against me. I'm not saying it's ending. I'm saying it feels like we're entering a different stage of this, at least. So we're, this moves in seasons, and it feels like it's a like the season is kind of coming to an end. Whatever that means with COVID-19, whatever that means with the world, with the world. And I just feel like the season is ending. And I started thinking, what would I want? What what if God were to name the season? <laughs> because you see the people don't get to name it, it's Moses. But if Moses was in my life <laughs> right now, what would he name this season of my life? Would it be that the season of test and arguing. The season I watched most Netflix in my life. The season I got into more arguments on Facebook and Twitter than ever. But what would he name it? I started thinking, what would I want to name it? What would I want God to name the season? Based on my actions. If he was to name it on my actions, I know what to name it on God's actions. Because God has been good. He's been good to me, to my wife, to our church. He's been good. We're good. It's amazing. Every week is a miracle. Every, every day is a miracle. But what would God name it based on my actions? And that's the question I'm wrestling with. I hope, I hope, I hope God names it the season when Jesse was 
most generous, I hope. See, I can't, I can't decide that, but I hope because in the season when we made the least amount of money, we decided to give the most. Then the time when we had time on our hands, we gave it, we gave most of it away. I hope, I don't know, but I hope. And I hope you're able to name your season. I hope you're able to find God naming your season <laughs> based on the most beautiful of actions. And I hope we all lived as an, as just an example of love that we can be light in this world. Like those 38 monks that ended up, these 38 nuns that ended up giving their lives to serve others and seek the welfare of their city. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening uh, to this episode. You can expect a new episode every couple of weeks. In the meantime, if you would like more information, check out h4mx.com.